Welcome to the Proper Lookout Podcast. In this series, our CTP experts will discuss a range of topics, sharing their thoughts on an industry trend or an intriguing legal issue, explaining the intricacies of an important case, and hopefully imparting some of the knowledge that they have gained. Hello all, this is Peter Hunt with another episode of the Proper Lookout podcast. One of the thorny issues affecting the Personal Injury Commission over the last 12 to 18 months has been the issue of federal jurisdiction. If you want to know the background of that issue, there are three prior episodes of this podcast series which will help you, namely episodes 125, 126 and 128. I'd encourage you to listen to those episodes of the Proper Lookout podcast to learn more about the background to federal jurisdiction. That said, it is possible, and I stress the word possible, that the issue has gone away. Thanks to um, a couple of decisions, one in the Court of Appeal and one in the District Court. Before I discuss those two decisions, let me give you some very brief background. In very, very general terms, the Personal Injury Commission does not have the power to exercise the judicial power of the Commonwealth to resolve disputes between residents of different states, the governments of different states, or a resident of one state and the government of a different state. Thanks to district court decisions, however, namely Ritchie and Nominal Defendant, Stanton and Winning, and Condon and Bartley, we can safely say that the issue has been restricted until recently to three categories of claims. Namely, firstly, disputes between an interstate claimant and the New South Wales nominal defendant. Secondly, a dispute between a New South Wales resident and an interstate state-owned CTP insurer, that is, vehicles registered in Victoria, Western Australia or Tasmania. And the third category is one which is exceedingly rare, that is, a dispute between an interstate resident and a state-owned insurer from a different state. So, for example, a visiting Tasmanian making a claim against a vehicle registered in Victoria. So until the two cases I'm about to discuss were delivered, an issue of federal jurisdiction only arose in those three categories of cases following those three district court decisions. But as I said at the outset, it's possible that the issue of federal jurisdiction has now gone away altogether. Thanks to the Court of Appeal decision of Searle and McGregor and a district court decision in Islam and Transport Accident Commission of Victoria. Starting as I should with the Court of Appeal decision, His Honour Judge Kirk delivered some obiter comments where His Honour characterised a damages assessment by the PIC as, quote, an advisory opinion, end quote, with the implication that the Commission was not exercising any kind of judicial power when assessing damages. As I said, those comments were obiter. They were not central to the determination of the issue at hand in that particular case. However, in the District Court decision of Islam and TAC, whether the Commission exercises administrative or judicial power was front and centre. And in general terms, His Honour District Court Judge Weber SC found that the PIC does not exercise judicial power when assessing a claim for damages under Subdivision 2 of Division 7.6 of the Motor Accident Injuries Act 2017 for several reasons, including, firstly, a claims assessment does not determine or quell 
the controversy between the claimant and the insurer because a decision on liability is binding on neither party, see section 7.38, subsection 1, and a decision on quantum is only binding on the insurer where the insurer accepts liability and the claimant accepts the quantum assessment within 21 days. For that, see section 7.38, subsection 2. The second point was that a claims assessment function is not transformed into a judicial function merely because the Commission is applying both a statute and the common law. And the third major point is honour made in finding that the PIC does not exercise judicial power when assessing damages is that the nature of the Commission is administrative for various reasons, including that not all members are legally qualified, the proceedings are conducted with as little formality as possible, and the rules of evidence do not apply. So that's damages assessments in the Commission. What about medical assessments? His Honour Judge Webber also found that the Commission does not exercise judicial power when assessing a medical dispute under Division 7.5 of Maya for various reasons, which included, firstly, that a medical dispute may be referred for a further assessment at any time by a court, a merit reviewer, or the Commission itself under Section 7.23 and 7.24. Secondly, a court may reject a medical certificate on the grounds of denial of procedural fairness if satisfied that the admission of the certificate would cause substantial injustice. And thirdly, the fact that a medical dispute can be referred for further assessment or rejected by the court demonstrates that the medical assessor is not quelling the controversy between the parties. So this appears to be the major point, that in both a damages assessment and a medical assessment before the PIC, whatever the PIC does is not final, and there's some oversight by the district court of either assessment, whether it be damages or medical. And for that reason, coupled with the fact that not every member is a, um, a lawyer, that proceedings are informal, the rules of evidence don't apply, etc., etc., the functions of the PIC have the character of being administrative rather than judicial. And of course, if the Commission is not exercising any kind of judicial power, there can hardly be said to be exercising the judicial power of the Commonwealth, in which case no issue of federal jurisdiction can arise and everything is within the PIC's jurisdiction. Now, I said at the start that these decisions possibly put an end to the controversy of when an issue of federal jurisdiction arises in the Commission. That's because there's still a question mark over the character of miscellaneous assessments. And the reason there's a question mark over miscellaneous assessments is that they are final in contrast to what happens with damages or medical disputes. That's because Section 7.42, Subsection 3, provides that a miscellaneous assessment is binding in a statutory benefits claim. And as such, these are my words now, a miscellaneous assessment certificate does, in fact, quell the dispute between the parties in a stat-bans context. Now, that may sound minor, and, of course, the term miscellaneous assessment sounds like it's unimportant. But remember that miscellaneous assessments include holding or most of fault decisions, which have the effect of permanently cutting off a claimant's right to both weekly payments and treatment and care beyond currently 26 weeks, soon to be 52 weeks, where the claimant's holding or mostly at fault. 
So it does give rise to a more important issue than may be apparent. Now, if I were a betting man, I would bet that if this issue came before the court, the court would find that the commission is not exercising judicial power in a miscellaneous assessment. I say that because there are a number of indicia of administrative power as opposed to judicial power. Only one of those is the finality of the decision-making. And whilst damages assessments and medical assessments may be final and miscellaneous assessments may not be final, the fact remains that everything else to do with the indicia of administrative power applies equally to miscellaneous assessments as it does to damages and medical assessments. And that's only my prediction. Uh, watch this space to see whether anything further develops on that score. But in the meantime, we can safely say that pending a higher court saying otherwise, which seems unlikely, the Commission is not exercising judicial power in either a damages assessment or a medical assessment, and as such, no issues of federal jurisdiction can arise in those kinds of assessments, and we don't need to worry about making compensation matter applications for substituted proceedings in the District Court anymore. Finally, just a um, polite shout-out to my friend and colleague, Andrew Stone, SC. Andrew's put a lot of time and effort into many matters involving a purported exercise of federal jurisdiction, including the early cases I referenced in this podcast, namely Ritchie and the Normal Defendant, and then Condon and Bartley. And each of the matters I discussed in this uh, episode, namely Sola McGregor and um, Islam and TAC. And in doing so, he's assisted the court to clarify when federal jurisdiction arises in the context of the Personal Injury Commission. And the outcome is that the scheme and the profession has been saved vast amounts of money, not to mention time and uh, delay. So just that little shout out to uh, Mr. Stone SC. Now, if you have any questions or comments, please let me know. Until then, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Proper Lookout podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. 